0: 2525 25. now here are phil chris and pat with tonight's edition of sports talk
1: good evening everybody welcome into sports talk here on a football thursday night in south carolina coastal carolina appalachian state Uh, Two growing rivals in the Sun Belt meeting tonight here at Coastal Carolina and what is a very big game for both of these teams. And we are here. We're over in the baseball press box at Coastal Carolina, which is across the parking lot from Brooks Stadium where the football game will be taking place tonight. Chris Bergen not with us tonight because of his duties with the Coastal Carolina broadcast crew. So we are flying solo in person, but we got a lot of great stuff for you tonight. We'll hear some comments from... Coastal coach Jamie Chadwell going into tonight's ball game. Mike Morgan will join us at 635-705. The pastor of pain, Corey Miller, 735. We'll have Will and the Thrill and a lot more to fit in there in between all of that. So we've got a very big show for you here on this big Thursday night. It's a football Thursday night in South Carolina. If you want to join us, 888 2525 That's the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here to reach us on Sports Talk. Hope you've had a great day, a beautiful day in South Carolina, beautiful day here along the coast, temperatures in the 70s. Not a cloud in the sky, not a cloud in the sky. Beautiful blue skies this afternoon. Have a great night for fall tonight between uh, Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State. Looking forward to seeing how this one plays out. Appalachian State, of course, made noise very early in the year. When they went out and beat Nebraska, and everybody said, "Uh-oh, here comes Appalachian State," but they've they've had a couple of dents along the way. Meantime, Coastal Carolina, with just their one loss, and they're still hopeful, of course, of winning their division in the Sun Belt and playing for the Sun Belt championship. Now, Coastal Carolina seven and one, four and one in the league. Appalachian State is five and three, two and two in the league, and. Um, Tonight's game's going to kick off at around 7.30, and so looking forward to being over there. It is a sellout, and it is uh, what they're calling a blackout night. I saw a bunch of the fans as I was walking over here to our location. They're all wearing uh, black shirts. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing a black shirt. Didn't think about that when I came over here, but I'm wearing a black shirt. So I might be confused as a Clear fan tonight. Uh, Appalachian State, has dominated this series with Coastal, leading uh, 7-1. to And in their last meeting, which was last October 20th, Appalachian and Coastal played a great one up in Boone, and Appalachian won that one 30-27. So they've had the upper hand on Coastal Carolina in this series. So we'll see what the Ashana Clears can do tonight, what kind of night Grayson McCall has. Of course, he's among the best passers in the country. Very high completion percentage, very low turnover numbers. And the Coastal Carolina defense, which hasn't been great all year in terms of not allowing yards, they have been very good at turning you over. So getting some turnovers tonight certainly will be important for them if they're going to get the win. Meantime, we've got South Carolina preparing to go up to Vanderbilt to play the Commodores on Saturday night. And Clemson about to hit the road to head up to South Bend to play the Irish on Saturday night. And I tell you, These are uh, going to be difficult games for both. Now, as far as South Carolina is concerned, and you say Vanderbilt difficult, what are you talking about? Gamecocks have won 13 in a row. But Vanderbilt's had a couple of weeks to get ready for South Carolina. They probably look at this game as a get-right opportunity for them, even though South Carolina's had the upper hand. And this Vanderbilt team, you know, they won three of their first four, and then – They've lost four in a row, but they've lost to Alabama. They've lost to Georgia. They've lost to Ole Miss. And what has to be concerning to South Carolina is Vanderbilt went out to Columbia, Missouri, and played those Tigers to within three points, a game that they could have have won. And so they played Missouri better out there than the Gamecocks played Missouri over here last week. So South Carolina had better go and play good football Saturday thing they need is a loss to Vanderbilt right now. That would cause the world to come caving in on them for this season. Now, they can win on Saturday and clinch a bowl bid, which would be huge, of course, in a number of different ways. But they better go and play great football. They cannot afford to slop it around. They cannot afford to let Vanderbilt drive the ball on them. Vanderbilt's probably going to run two quarterbacks at them, one that's a better passer, one that's a better runner. But their defense, Vanderbilt's defense has just – They've just not been good all season long. I mean, they are among the worst in the country in total defense and points allowed, and especially in the passing game. This could be a game where Spencer Rattler really lights up a defense. And I would think, I know one thing, you can take this, you can call Vegas, you can take this to the bank. Jaheim Bell is going to touch the football till his tongue is dragging on Saturday night. After everything that they've heard, all the criticism they've heard, and the fact that he didn't touch the ball against Missouri, you've got to believe they're going to find a way, not only find a way, they're going to get the ball to Jaheim Bell, line him up in the backfield, put him in motion, throw screens to him, whatever the case may be. He's going to touch the football, no question about it, on Saturday. South Carolina's coaching staff is not going to go through another game and then another week of hearing about how they didn't get the ball to jaheem bell but more importantly or maybe just as importantly they got to have a healthy marshawn lloyd they got to have a healthy marshawn lloyd to carry the football he can't go and uh i mean first of all we don't know for sure with his quad injury just how healthy he is and you know they can't afford to have him on the sideline they can't afford to have him in a situation where he's only going to carry the ball three or four times effectively and then have to stand over and hold his helmet. So they need him healthy. They need him ready to go. They need to get the ball to Jaheim Bell. They need to protect Spencer Rattler. Vanderbilt will throw a number of different blitzes at you. They run three-man front, but they often have five up on the line of scrimmage, and they do a good amount of blitzing out of that. So they're going to have to protect the quarterback as well. And that's been a bit of a problem. The pressure on the quarterback has not been um, something that South Carolina has been able to undo so far this season. So, you know, it's Vanderbilt, but, you know, Vegas has only made the Gamecocks like a six-point favorite. They're respecting Vanderbilt in this game, and I think the Gamecocks should too. They cannot go over their thinking. All they've got to do is show up, and they're going to walk over Vanderbilt. Uh, in fact, uh, Shane Beamer just said on his radio show that Lloyd is still dealing with a contusion they're saying on his thigh. Well, is the thigh a quad? I thought a quad was lower. But anyway, it doesn't matter. A leg injury, and they're going to see how he progresses over the next couple of days. Now, in my mind, that's not a good sign. When Beamer says on Thursday, we'll see how he progresses over the next couple of days about a player. I mean, when he has said that before, typically the player doesn't play. So, I'm not real optimistic based on that for Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, Linebacker Brad Johnson is ready to go. He'll play this week. Defensive lineman Terrell Dawkins, uh, he practiced a few days but is not quite there. Practiced a few days this week but is not quite there, so he remains out. So, um, not really encouraged by what I'm hearing there on the uh, Marshawn Lloyd front, which means they'd have to turn to uh, Juju McDowell. They'd have to turn to Christian Beale-Smith. Would they uh, trot somebody else out there? Well, you put Jaheen Bell back there as well if Lloyd can't go. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Now for the the Tigers. Of course, they're going to have their full attention on Notre Dame. You don't play Notre Dame, and Notre Dame doesn't have your full attention. And this is a Notre Dame team that has gotten itself together after uh, suffering three losses. Of course, they played Ohio State a very good game last season, had a chance to win that ball game. But Clemson has to be careful here in that, Notre Dame is going to treat this like it's their championship game. I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs. But nothing could make their season any better than to beat Clemson, to beat a top-four team at their place, to, to break Clemson's winning streak and to extend their own winning streak against ACC teams in the regular season. Notre Dame has a pretty lengthy winning streak against ACC teams in the regular season. Keep in mind, Clemson beat them in 2020 in the ACC championship game. So, Notre Dame's going to treat this like it's uh, their Rose Bowl, their uh, national championship game, because this is probably the biggest uh, home opponent. I have to check their schedule. Is this their biggest home opponent of the season? Where do they play Southern Cal this year? Uh, It doesn't matter. They're going to treat this game – they're going to treat this game like uh, it's the end of the world for them because it's a chance for them to really kind of put their stamp back on the football scene nationally. Now, they play at Southern Cal, and they played at Ohio State, and they played at North Carolina, so and they played at Syracuse. So this is by far Notre Dame's most important home game of the season. Their home game, their home schedule this year has been Marshall – and Cal, and Stanford, and UNLV. And then they play Boston College at home. Gosh, this is by far the best ticket at home for Notre Dame this season. So they're going to pour everything they have into this. And, you know, they're going with their backup quarterback because their starter's been hurt. And um, will Clemson cut it loose defensively? I would think so. I think they would throw the kitchen sink at – the, at Pine, the, the quarterback for Notre Dame going into this one, really bring the pressure and see if they can make him uh, uncomfortable, see if they can rough him up, see if they can force him into to doing some things that he uh, isn't comfortable doing and creating some turnovers. You know, you can't, expect, you can't expect D.J. Uyangale to go back to the scene of the crime of 2020 and throw for over 400 yards again. Clemson doesn't need that. You know, they don't need him to go out and throw for 400 yards. They just need him to manage the game well, avoid the turnovers, um, let Will Shipley get his runs, uh, let Maffa get his runs, um, get the ball to Antonio Williams in space, things like that. That's what you need DJ Uyongale to do, not force it, not put the ball in danger. If he avoids doing that, then he'll have a fine ball game. And if he has a fine ball game, then Clemson's likely – to have a good night. So, big game for Clemson, of course, if they want to stay where they are right now in the top – in the college football playoff championship rankings. But they better be prepared for Notre Dame to come at them with everything because this is their big game. I mean, I know Southern Cows their big rival game, and that's another team they can spoil as far as their postseason. But in terms of their home season – and a chance to make a huge splash nationally on their network, NBC. This is their opportunity. You know, they're putting everything they've got into this ball game. So, two intriguing games there, one in Nashville. You wouldn't think it's all that intriguing, but I think it's pretty intriguing considering what South Carolina did last week. Vandy's had a couple of weeks to get ready. Vandy's record is not great, but they have played some teams played some teams pretty well, and they've played a tough schedule. Like I said, they've lost to Alabama, they've lost to Georgia, they lost to Ole Miss, they lost to Wake Forest all nationally ranked teams, and uh, South Carolina better be ready. Clemson better be ready as well. So I think the the slogan for both of these teams this weekend should be, be aware, be your best, because if not, you're going to take it upside the head from these teams at their uh, home locations. So after the break, we're going to hear from Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell. This was from his press conference earlier in the week, talking about the opponent, which is Appalachian State, and getting ready for a big Belt Conference game here tonight over at Brooks Stadium under the lights on ESPN. And this should be a really good football game, probably going to be a high-scoring game. I think both of these offenses, they're dynamite, and they have the capability of going up and down the field on pretty good defenses. So we will hear from the coach when we come back from the break.
2: You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made
3: this moment possible.
4: Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance. Your friends for life.
0: Life insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174.
5: Serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company,
3: Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states.
0: Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity. And members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through Co-op Connections touchstone energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives and as a member the power is yours experience the power of co-op membership with touchstone energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com
5: hope life and the great palmetto what do these things have in common scholarship dollars the SE hope the life and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. Seven billion dollars. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win.
1: Back where are on Sports Talk, Phil Kornblut here at Coastal Pat Daniel, back at our Dave and Buster Studios in uh, Columbia, holding down the fort there, making sure everything goes very, very smoothly before he hits the road to head up to uh, Notre Dame tomorrow to cover the Irish and the Tigers. Pat, you getting pretty excited about that trip? Ready to go say hello to Touchdown Jesus and everybody else there in South Bend?
2: Oh, man, I could not be more excited. This has been a a bucket list item since a child. It'll be a nice mix of, I think we we all strive in life to be able to turn work into play as well. So even though this is a business trip, it'll certainly be enjoyable. I will tell you, though, Corn, today I was going ahead and starting to pack for the trip. I looked at the weather for the first time. I don't know if you or many of our listeners, including Clemson fans, have looked at that. So South Bend, Indiana, Saturday, the high is 65, low is 43. But during the day, cloudy and windy with occasional rain, mainly in the morning, winds south-southwest 25 to 35 with gusts over 40. Chance of rain, wow. 70%. Yeah, and then at night, it looks like the rain should, should slow down at most. There might be a little rain in the first half, but there's still going to be winds at 15 to 25 miles an hour with gusts over 40. So, for any of our betting fans out there, the under is starting to starting to sound a little a little nice. I wouldn't be surprised if there are some shifts out in Vegas, but also be curious to see what this does to the passing attack. If this might turn into more of a a battle of the trenches and a, more of a, a rushing game.
1: Sure, sure. I mean, it's got to affect you in one way or another. Interesting stuff. All right, we'll see what it's like when you get out there. We remind everybody to. Follow Pat's coverage on our Twitter at Sports Talk SC and on our website, SportsTalkSC.com. I'll be in Nashville, so you can follow me there covering the Gamecocks, doing the same thing at Sports Talk SC and on Twitter. Uh, that is on Twitter, on our website, SportsTalkSC.com. Don't forget Dave and Buster's, where you can go and eat, drink, and play and catch all the big games all season long. Dave and Buster's in Greenville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach. They'll have tonight's big Coastal Carolina game on their screens for you for sure. The World Series as well. Speaking of Coastal, here's some comments from Head Coach Jamie Chadwell from his press conference this week as he looked ahead to this big game tonight against Appalachian
2: State. Hey, Phil, that's on me. For our listeners, we have somebody filling in for me tomorrow night, and I have been in the background kind of helping him. Give me one second to have this have this queued up for you, Phil. That's my fault.
1: All right, let me know when you're ready. Let me know when you're ready. In the meantime, I will update the poll question of the week, and that is, of course, uh, coming off that upset in Missouri, some USC fans have been calling for a change in play callers. Our question was, if not Mark Atterfield, uh, who should be calling plays for the Gamecocks? Uh, 46.9% say Freddie Kitchens, the offensive analyst. 27.4% believe Gamecock Larry should be calling the plays. 19.8% like Justin Stepp, and 6% say just go with Shane Beamer. But it's going to be Marcus Satterfield Saturday and the rest of the season. A man who has no trouble calling plays, Jamie Chadwell. Here he goes.
6: Great win by our team last week. Um, thought we did some really good things in all three phases, specifically special teams. Field, field position was going to be a key in that game when uh, when you're playing. It's the number one defense in the league there. We knew points were going to be scar- uh, hard to come by. Um, but I thought we started off the game well and uh, played field position. I thought our defense did a fine job there, which was awesome. This game, we obviously know it's an important game because it's the next one. It's obviously versus you know a, a rival of ours. Our team's looking forward to that. It's been a challenge coming off a, a short week um playing in a short week there because of uh getting back so late we came back uh, got back at um 3.30, 3:30, 3 a.m. So I'm running there. So quick turnaround. Had to practice Sunday night to get ready for this short week. So a lot of challenges there. But I know our team's looking forward to it. They know, they know the opportunity that we have. Uh, it's a, it's a big game because it's our next one, and it gives us a chance to get closer to have an opportunity to win this East Division and play in the Sun Belt Championship game. We know we got a great opponent coming in. They're coming in. They're rested. They basically had an open week last week, where they, they were able to rest a lot of starters. and Didn't have to play. So uh, we know they're gonna they're gonna be fresh. Uh, and had a chance to prepare for us a little bit more than we've had a chance to prepare for them. But our guys will be ready to go, and we'll go out and play well.
7: Uh, so Jamie, have you noticed a little bit more pep in the step from uh, the players this week, knowing that it's App Week and what happened last year, and just kind of uh, you know wanting to get a little bit uh, little from uh, App State?
6: Um, I hope not. Truthfully, I mean, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they are, but uh, I hope what you hope is that each week the guys are ready to go. Now, I, I realize when you're playing some people, you know, they're going to be a little more juiced up. But our, our whole thing uh, you know, ever since that open date and since thing is, is that the focus has got to be more on us and how we need to do things. And so if we put that focus on us, we should stay pretty consistent. Because I think when you play these games, you get too emotional, too caught up. And when you do that, that means that means you can maybe start off well or whatever. But then that emotion dies down. And then you really have to figure out fight through that. And so if we can if we can control our emotions and use that emotions to uh, stay consistent through the four quarters, that's what I'm, I'm hoping happens. But uh, you know I'm not stupid. I know I know everybody's telling them, hey, this is a big game and all this. They're hearing that from family and community and all this stuff. But um, but I know they'll be ready to go.
7: App's got um, a great running game, uh, just like Marshall did. You guys really shut down Marshall after the ODU game. You just talk about your run defense and just really, really clamp it down against Marshall. And then also the challenge they are going to have taking on some veteran running backs here against App.
6: <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean this is this is the uh, hardest challenge they're going to have going against this group. They've got three backs, four. How many they've got? They've got a bunch of backs that are really, really good, and that's what they're known for. You know, they're going to find ways to run the ball with their zone scheme and some of those things. When our defense fits the way they're supposed to, but plays aggressive and uh, decides just to whip blocks and not just you know, be passive, we can be really, really good. Uh, and when we do that, when we come out with that mentality from a physical standpoint uh, that this is our mentality coming in this game, that we're going to make a play instead of waiting on somebody else to make a play, we can be pretty good. And we're going to have to have that mentality. Um, and uh, if they'll do that, then we'll put ourselves in a position to have a chance to win the game. If, we, if we're passive there and they can just run the ball up and down the field, it's going to be a long day for us. But uh, what we showed, what our defense showed there versus Marshall's, what we're capable of consistently. And that's the biggest challenge. That's the mindset that we have to show up with consistently. And uh, I think our defensive leaders understand that. I think that uh, they rededicated themselves during that you know open week to saying this is how we got to play football and that was a great start versus obviously Marshall to be able to do what we did there and now we got to continue
1: all right that is uh, some words from Jamie Chadwell right now uh, coastal Carolina sits atop the East division of the Sun Belt four and one James Madison's three and two is two and two Georgia Southerns two and two Georgia State two and two and Old Dominion two and two Troy leads the West division at at four and one, so a win tonight would make Coastal five and one, and put them in in great shape. But they still have a couple of more uh, games to, to deal with down the stretch of the the regular season. So they can't afford to uh, let up. And I think one of those at the very end is going to be a very good James Madison team at James Madison. Yeah, well they've got they've got Southern Miss here in Conway uh, coming up a week from Saturday, then they finish up on the road. They go to Virginia, but you know what? That's a game they could very well win in Charlottesville, and then the next week at James Madison. So, two more league games to go after this, and if they win tonight, they go to five and one, and then uh, beat uh, Southern Miss, you go to six and one. See what happens with James Madison the next couple of weeks. You might have it clinched before you get to Harrisburg. Okay, we'll hit the break. Be right back. back, Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Coming to you tonight from Coastal Carolina, Shawna Clear is preparing to take on Appalachian State, one of the best games of the year on the schedule for the Sun Belt. Should play out to be that way. Let's welcome in to a Sports Talk a man who has seen uh, some Sun Belt Conference football this year. He's seen football from a number of different levels, including the SEC, the ACC, a man who travels the uh, Southeast looking for a game, to call you got a game, he'll make the call. You just make the call to Mike Morgan. Brought to you by Played Again Sports in Columbia. Chris Mosley, the gang there—they have you well covered with all your sporting goods needs. They buy and sell quality used and new sports and fitness gear all day, every day. So check them out at their unmatched Harbison location at twelve seventy Bower Parkway in Columbia. Mike, welcome in. You're on the road last night, my friend.
7: Yeah, you, well, you mentioned the Southeast, and that is where I spend most of my time, but every now and then uh, break away with a little MACTION and get out there in the, in the heartland, in the Midwest. Uh, Bowling Green, Ohio is uh, where we were last night, myself, Cole Kublick, Quinn Kesnick, for uh, a MAC battle, which was won by Bowling Green. Uh, the best part about it was it was the warmest MAC game I've ever done the game time temperature at kickoff was 68 degrees. That's uh, unheard of in those parts. Normally I'm, uh, drinking hot chocolate during those games this time of year, but, uh, it's always fun. It's just, it's a different, you know, a different brand of ball, a different environment. People talk about it's It's a Wednesday night and, you know, that's obviously to get more exposure because you're not going up against any other games, but, uh, uh, it's a nice break away from the norm, and uh, now we'll get back to uh, the regular routine. Yeah,
1: and we got one here tonight at Coastal. That's a big one. Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State, uh, two teams that are, you know, just a maybe uh, a little notch or so below that top 25 level, but still very good football. Mm-hmm. And look, with a win tonight, Coastal goes 8-1. and one. They can run the table. They might slip into that top 25 ranking come the end of the season. But, of course, their eyes are on winning their division and winning the um, the league championship in December and then going to a nice bowl game.
7: Yeah, you know, I've had Coastal uh, a couple of times here recently. I had them in the bowl game last year, which was actually one of the best bowl games out there when they knocked off Northern Illinois uh, in, the, in the waning minutes of that game and had them earlier this year at Georgia State, and they demolished uh Georgia State, you know, they're not as good as last year in my opinion. They lost a lot of talented players, I think. Uh their own coaching staff would tell you that. But Grayson McCall is still special and they're still well coached and they're, they're still one of the more exciting offenses in all of college football. I, I I continue to be amazed by that story.
1: Yeah, they do have a terrific offense and McCall is the the perfect fit at quarterback for what they do. It's always fun to watch them play offense for sure. Okay, SEC-wise, we got a couple of dandies this weekend. What are your thoughts on the big ones in the SEC coming up that will impact the nation when we look at things come Sunday morning?
7: Well, I I love the matchups first off. I mean, I think this is just the the winners on this are college football fans in general to be able to watch those games back-to-back. And I realize people will be watching different games depending on when their favorite team is going to play, but to have Georgia, excuse me, to have Georgia, Tennessee back to back with Alabama LSU. The funny thing about this is that all week long, i kind of felt like Alabama LSU has been on the back burner. Uh, I mean, I, prom- I promoted it five times uh, on last night's game. Cause that's kind of what we do. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but really the national spotlight is all about Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, and, and why wouldn't it be? But, I, I, I still can't help myself. I still lean toward Georgia, and I still lean toward Alabama. And maybe that's just because it's become habitual to pick those teams in in big games. But uh, I, I think overall, their experience in these kind of games, their stability with their coaching staffs going into these, uh, these games, I think it'll pay off on Saturday.
1: You know, we'll see how all these games play out because – Alabama still has to play Ole Miss. Uh, Georgia still has to play uh, Kentucky, which is not playing like it was earlier in the season. You've got Tennessee and Georgia to be played out. A lot of stuff to be done still in the SEC, and then you've got the SEC championship game. But, you know, I've thrown it out on the show a, a few times, and probably none of this would come to uh, reality at the end of the day when the committee sits down. But if you've got a one-loss Alabama, a one-loss Tennessee, a one-loss Georgia, and we know that Alabama's one loss was by a field goal in a 52-49 game. And if the other other ones lose similarly in most games by a field goal at the very end, and they're all sitting there with one loss, and I think the committee put LSU at number 10 to give Alabama a chance for a quality win on the road if they can pull it off just to to help their resume. I mean, they their, their job is to – there's a select, the four best teams in the country, would they dare put three SEC teams in there if that's the
7: scenario? I don't think so. I, I think I think that so many things would have to happen. And as I always remind people, it's, it's 13 human beings in that room, not a computer formula. And I, I just think there'll be too many people that would not want to see one conference have three teams in the playoff. Doesn't mean that, it can't happen, you know. If if there if it's an undoubtedly uh, advantage for all th- those three teams, their resumes are that much better. Well, then you almost have to do it. But usually, that's not the way it happens. Once you get past the first two or three teams, there's a lot of uh, you know, splitting hairs between those remaining teams. And if they're going to split hairs, <laughs> and you have a chance to have one conference who's not represented at all versus another team with a similar resume to become the third SEC team, I have a weird feeling the, the committee would go the other way. I do think there's a very good chance you're going to see the SEC get two again, which is amazing in itself. Uh, and then the question is, could the Big Ten get two? There's Clemson, there's TCU. Um, you know, you only have so many teams that are really still in this, in this deal But you could have a little bit of drama late, and a lot of that will be taken care of in the next couple weeks.
1: Yeah. I mean, I hear you. But the committee's charge is to select the four best teams, and they are supposed to be blind when it comes to conferences. I mean, I know they're human beings and they're subjective. For example, did it bother you at all, the committee chairman said after the poll came out on Tuesday, asked about LSU being number 10, and he cited the committee's belief that, the meshing of the quarterback and the head coach, Kelly and Daniels. They like the way they're meshing as a coach <laughs> and a quarterback, and that was influential in their decision to put LSU at number 10. Uh,
7: you, yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I didn't pay much attention to the uh, committee chairman. Um, I, I don't pay a ton of uh, attention to the these rankings the first couple weeks anyway. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. TV show it's designed to generate a little bit of controversy and it's designed to have everybody talking for an hour and beyond. But honestly, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, I mean, it, it just doesn't mean anything. So uh, the, the committee chairman, when he gets up there, whoever it is uh, and starts talking, I, I kind of find myself tuning out. It's, it's, it really, it becomes like a, a politician t- talking up there and, trying to make heads or tails out of why this this move happened over that move and I don't think you're ever gonna convince the average college football fan that it's you know it's done completely in a vacuum where it's it's nothing but pure objectivity and uh, you, you can remove the fact of brain uh, brand name recognition and uh, those type of things are always going to find their way in but as much as we complain about it in early November, when it comes down to picking the final four, have we really had that much controversy since this thing started back in 2014? I mean, not a whole lot. The top three always takes care of itself, and then we we have some debates over number four, but that's about it.
1: Yeah. Mike Morgan with us. Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. So you're off this weekend since you called a game last night. You get the weekend off. You got another assignment.
7: I, I have a top-secret assignment. I could tell you mm. – uh, but I'd have to put you into Lake Murray. And I don't want to do that. Uh, yeah. But I will I will reveal the assignment next week uh, and then uh, also have uh, Georgia-Mississippi State the following week on uh, radio as well. All
1: right, very good, very good. What about Clemson-Notre Dame up there? I was talking about it earlier. I think Notre Dame looks at this game like their national championship game, considering they're not going to anything big. And this gives them a chance to kind of maybe – announce to the world that, okay, we're back and Marcus Freeman's an excellent coach and forget about the loss to Marshall and forget about the other two losses, even though they played Ohio State pretty closely. I mean, we're Notre Dame. We break streaks here at our place, and that would break a a Clemson 14-game winning streak and other things. So what do you think? Does, Does Notre Dame have enough to take down Clemson at home?
7: Possible. I mean, Clemson has shown some vulnerability this year. I don't think there's any question about that. They've they've had to escape in the fourth quarter some games. I still think Clemson's the better team. Uh, I, I haven't been overly impressed by by Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. I realize the game is in South Bend. That's obviously a huge factor. But I, I just think Clemson's the better team, and I think you know with DJ kind of stabilizing his play. Uh, I, I would I would go with Clemson even on the road. Yeah, and South Carolina.
1: If you want to take a bet on something, Mike and I I know you're not a gambling man anymore. Maybe in your younger days you like to throw a nickel <laughs> or a dime down there, but you're not really a gambling man now that you're you're a married man, you're a family man, you're you're saving your dollars. But Jaheim Bell of South Carolina touching the football twenty times at least after what. They went through this past weekend against Missouri and the hell raining down on Marcus Satterfield from all corners of the Gamecock Nation over the fact that Jaheim Bell didn't touch the ball uh, in in eight uh, – no, nine 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 snaps he was on the field and never touched the football. Especially, my feeling is, I don't know for sure, based on what Shane Beamer said tonight, I don't think Marshawn Lloyd's going to be uh, – well, if he plays, he'll be limited. doesn't sound like he's ready to go at 100%. So – Safe bet is they're going to get the ball to Bell, quiet everybody, and also put the ball in the hands of a terrific playmaker.
7: Well, and, and if you can't run the ball down the throat of Vanderbilt, who else left on this schedule are you going to do it against, right? I mean, this is this is a game where you should be able to do that. Vanderbilt is not equipped uh, to win the line of scrimmage against most SEC teams, including Carolina. Uh, and if you... If you if you just – you can keep it simple and still win this game. I don't think you have to out Vanderbilt. You're going to have to out-scheme Tennessee in, in, in all likelihood. You know, Florida and Clemson, they're going to pose different type of challenges. But uh, this is a get-right game. Uh, look, the Missouri game – Missouri was going to bite somebody in the rear end. It was just a matter of when. They almost did it to Georgia. They almost did it to Florida. They almost did it to Auburn. It just so happened they did it to Carolina. So, uh, now you go ahead and you you get yourself off the mat, you pull your bootstraps up, you learn from it, and you play better football against Vanderbilt and hopefully down the stretch.
1: They better play well Saturday because Vandy's had a couple of weeks to get ready. And, I mean, look, they're on a four-game losing streak, but they've lost to Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss and a close one at Missouri. So, I mean, they're going to lose those games, and you can't look at that and say, "Okay, just going to walk over Missouri, uh, Vanderbilt by just showing up." The Gamecocks had better play some good, solid football. They'll they'll get upset once again, and and Vegas only makes it a six point line. They believe this mm-hmm. game's going to be pretty tight.
7: Well, I think I think Vegas looks at Carolina now the way they did at the beginning of the year before some really impressive wins, which is this is not one of the most talented teams in the league at this point. You know, the, the the offense doesn't scare you. The, even with the addition of Spencer Rattler, uh, it, it, you don't look at it and say, oh, my goodness, there's game breakers all over the place. How in the world are we going to match up against this unit? So I, I know all the, the heat is coming down on the, on the play calling, and I'm not saying that that's above criticism, but uh, I do think eventually what the talent's going to look like on that side of the football in a couple of years is not what it looks like today.
1: All right, last thing we'll let you go, World Series. How about last night, a combined no-hitter for Houston? I tell you, you get into their bullpen, and and they step it up a notch. You're so strong in their bullpen. But uh, now it's all even with what? Now I guess it's the best – it's 2-2, so it'll be the best two out of three the rest of the way, and two games will be in Houston. Where do you see this thing uh, heading down the stretch of the World Series?
7: I honestly have no idea, and that's the beauty of it, because I I, I think this World Series is one of the more unpredictable ones. Um, You know, Philadelphia is a surprise team. Houston is a team that, uh, while they've been consistently here, they do have a lot of different faces. You know, once you get past guys like Altuve and such, uh, there's a lot of new faces and names on this year's installment of Astros baseball. So, I don't know, but it's actually been a a rather entertaining series. I hope it goes seven.
1: Yeah, love to see it go seven. Mike, enjoy your weekend. We'll wait to hear the uh, secret assignments for next week. Can't wait. Be counting down the hours, the minutes, the seconds to find out that information. Otherwise, you have yourself a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week.
7: Okay, sounds good. Take care.
1: Thank you. The one, the only. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. Appreciate Mike uh, being with us tonight. All right, we will hit our break. We're here at Coastal Carolina. Going to head over at 8 o'clock and catch this football game. There will be about maybe a quarter into it before I get over there. Of course, I joined everything late. I went over to USC basketball last night. Had about seven minutes to go there. Time permitting, we'll play some comments from Lamont Paris and from Brad Brownell from their basketball games last night. After the break, though, we're going to check in with Clemson offensive, uh, the offensive side of things with Clemson and get an update on what's happening over there. That'll be coming up in just a moment here on Sports Talk.
5: I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues, some other business causes your business to lose money, jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job, jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. In Columbia, South Carolina, game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue.
0: We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Hi, I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and I've got a great gift idea that requires zero
1: shopping, the gift of college savings. Future Scholar, South Carolina's 529 College Savings Plan makes it easy. Grandparents, friends, and family can all contribute to a Future
2: Scholar account and know that they're providing a gift that will last a lifetime. If you're looking for the perfect gift this holiday season, look no further. Learn more about the smart, easy way to
1: save and give this holiday season at futurescholar.com. Now talking about Clemson, going up to Notre Dame, and what happened last time out for the Tigers with the change of quarterback mid game, DJ Uyangale, how he is going to handle that, how did he handle it in practice, Uh, is he going to have his confidence back and be ready to go, all those questions posed to Clemson quarterback coach offensive coordinator Brandon Streeter earlier this week, here is the coach talking to the media, previewing the Notre Dame game.
5: Brandon, how was the week off for you guys, do you feel like you got a bunch accomplished that you wanted
8: to get? Yeah, we really did. We had a great uh, open week. Um, obviously, much needed. Um, you know, I don't know if we've been this late in having an open week in a while. So, um, just being able to be 8 0 and, and uh, you know, feeling really, really good uh, um, as far as uh, being in that position. And then, you know, just being able to heal up some guys um, and uh, just get loaded up again and, and kind of you know, recommitting, You know, that was the message to the team and, and to the offense for me was just, hey, it's time to, time to recommit and uh, going into our championship phase of our program. Um, and so uh, just excited, just really, really excited about where we are. And, 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 and uh, you know, we had three practices last week, um, was able to, you know, review a lot of stuff, clean up some things, uh, work on some new stuff. And, and uh, so it was a really, really good week.
5: Has DJ kind
8: of flushed? What happened to him? Yeah, yeah, I really do. I think he has. Um, He had a great week of practice. Um, Just bounced back like I thought he was gonna. Um, And so, just excited for him, you know, being able to go back out there on Saturday. And and um, you know, we've been in that environment before two years ago. And he's been in that environment before. Obviously, it was during COVID, so it wasn't a you know a full uh, fan base there, but. Um, but but he knows what to expect, and and uh, he had a really good week.
6: With, with him, how much does that recommitting go back to what he did in the off season? Some of the mechanical and things that got him where he was through seven games.
8: Yeah, really, really, it's just a mindset. It really is. It's all about a mindset and and how you. Uh, you know, how you flush things and how you move forward and gaining that confidence back. And uh, he did that last week. There was no question about it. Um, Just excited about, um, you know, how he has responded and how he will respond on Saturday. Um, You know, he's got his confidence back. There's no doubt about it. So that's really what it is though, is is that mindset and and just being able to bounce back and, and that's what he's been able to do.
1: What was that game two years ago at Notre Dame for D.J.? Did that raise expectations for him, maybe a little
8: unfairly? Yeah, I mean, there's – I think he still has the record for amount of yards at that place, you know? I mean, there's um, – but when you play this game, there's always going to be expectations and there's always going to be, um, you know, uh, things to work for and, and, and to try to, um, you know, duplicate or even be better, and so – um, but he can take that game two years ago as, man, just confidence, just gaining confidence from being in that environment um, and just being a freshman. And then just even what he's been through since he's been in that environment for the last um, you know, two years, you know, I think he's learned a lot. And so by him having that knowledge and that experience, um, and then on top of that, his leadership and how he has responded to a lot of things. I mean, I think if anything, it gives him a ton of confidence going into that situation.
4: Seem like a, a lot of people from the outside were thinking, "Okay, 400 yards a game—that should be." Every- <laughs>
8: yeah, yeah, that's pretty unrealistic. But yeah, no, I think if he just—my message again to him is to, man, let's just keep it simple and and just be in an attack mode all the time, you know, and and that's just. Basically, confidence—just always having that confidence—and um, you know—and uh, and like I said, he bounced back last week in practice. Did had a great, great week and uh, didn't skip a beat at all. So, so that's the—that's the message, not just to him but for the team—is just man being in attack mode nonstop is is uh, helps you with that confidence.
2: Brandon, what were
5: some of the things that you on the offense wanted to reconnect with during the off week? Going forward to for this
8: final stretch of the season? Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of things that you always want to work on. And, and number one, just execution on certain aspects of our game. Um, you know, obviously, we wanted to address the turnovers that we had against Syracuse. I mean, that was something that we were doing so well um, heading up into that game. Um, I know we were in the top five in the country going into that game as an offensive holding on to the ball. So, um, so obviously we had addressed that um, and did some a few more ball security drills um, just to, just to make sure that it's emphasized um, that would that would be the main thing that we really really wanted to emphasize and then just getting better individually like everybody going into next week uh, or, or last week uh, having goals set goals for the open week like how are you gonna get better? what are three things or five things that you can do individually to get better? Um, and that's what they did they all, You know, I had opportunities to meet with the guys and and meet with them um, and just talk to them about, you know, what are their goals? How how are you going to get better? And so each of those guys did that, wrote those goals down, and and, I felt like attacked them really, really well. There you go, Brandon
1: Streeter talking about Clemson, the offense of of the Lake going up to Notre Dame and trying to play much better uh, overall offensively than they did the last time out, even though they rallied to get that win. He'd like to see a more consistent, steady, cleaner offensive uh, performance, I would think. Top of the hour break. Busy hour number two coming up. Don't go away.
0: Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: Okay, we're back with you here on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, welcoming in those of you who might just be joining us. You missed a lot in that first hour, Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move. We heard from Jamie Chadwell of Coastal Carolina. We're here in Conway at Coastal Carolina preparing for tonight's game. Well, we're not preparing. We are – sitting on our Bahancas, getting ready to go watch some football tonight. Coastal is actually the underdog tonight. They're a three-point underdog. They're getting three against Appalachian State. So that should fire up the Chanticleers if they need anything else to help fire them up tonight against uh, their rival from Appalachian State. And so we're here for that. We heard from Jamie Chadwell. We heard from Mike Morgan. uh, Some comments from Brandon Streeter as well, talking about the trip up to Notre Dame and getting that ready to cook against the Irish on uh, Saturday. Uh, so, with that in mind, uh, we are. Um, yeah, do we have Corey with us? or should be. Oh, good. So, with that in mind, we welcome in once again for his Thursday night visit with us here on Sports Talk. The Pastor of Pain, Corey Miller, inducted officially into the South Carolina Athletic Hall of Fame on Saturday. Uh, also, the mic man for the Gamecocks, who did the Gamecock cheer as the uh, he was warming up the crowd for what turned out to be a dud of a football game. Corey, great job. I would say that the best performance of the night on that field was by you, uh, getting the crowd whipped <laughs> up and ready to go for the football game. Yeah, man, that was uh,
9: very uh, exciting and fun, and being out in front of 80,000 folks, and you know, trying to get them revved up for for a ball game that we thought that would definitely be played better by South Carolina. But uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity and and uh, to be out there and be a part of uh, of homecoming and and the football game
1: and the Hall of Fame. It was just a special week all around. Absolutely, for you guys, I'm sure that it was. It's a shame that the game didn't turn out that way to kind of top things off. A very disappointing performance, not just the standpoint that you, you lose on homecoming, but you lose a, a golden opportunity to put yourself in a great position heading down the stretch of the season. You, what's your take on why this Gamecock team did not come out with the fervor, the fire, the intensity needed to beat Missouri?
9: You know, you can't put your finger on it, Phil. You know, a game like that with homecoming and the weekend of festivities like you mentioned, you know, an opportunity to get bowl eligible in front of your your home crowd and knowing you got some more winnable games down the stretch of your schedule so you're basically playing for you know, great position in the bowl game. You know, I look at it playing for warmer weather. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And so, and I think they missed out on an opportunity. Definitely a game that they're good enough to win, but when you start out, you know, you allow a team to you pin them back and, and go 94 yards, I believe, on a drive and, uh, you know, not setting the edge, getting gashed in the run game in the first half. And offensively, they couldn't ever get any kind of rhythm. Um, they, they really looked like they didn't know what they were doing. Um, it was just a strange game. I mean, I was down on the sidelines for a little bit before I went up to the box, and it just felt, you know, stale. just didn't feel the emotion, the energy. Um, so I was a little concerned, you know, you know, to start the game and they never could recover. Defensively, they, you know, they bounced back and I thought made some very nice adjustments, but, you know, the offense just again, uh, sputtered and, and the questions, you know, lingered, you know, with the play calling and, and you know, certain players not getting enough reps and things like that. So just, um, not what I anticipated. I know not what many Gamecock fans anticipated, but, you know, hopefully they can get things turned around and, and become bowl eligible this weekend
1: yeah the jaheem bell thing is a bit on the uh, puzzling side and not just that the answers that have gone public from the coaching staff since the ball game right after the game and the press conferences this week think about things about personnel packages and not having him in on certain personnel packages against certain defenses this that and the other i mean are they just making excuses for uh, for, for not getting him in there or is there something deeper going on? Is there something deeper going on here that the public doesn't know about that, I mean, you, how do you keep a guy like Jaheim Bell on the sideline for all but nine plays and you don't give him the football?
9: You know, I don't understand it. I mean, it's, it's frustrating for me. You know, I've been around this game for, God knows, you know, 35 years or so. Um, understanding, you know, personnel, groupings, and packages, but, you know, I, I know this, Phil, <laughs> you know, I played it, I coached it a little bit, I don't care what I'm running, whether I'm in 10 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, 11 personnel, 20 personnel. It doesn't matter. If I got a guy like Jaheim Bell, he's going to be involved in all those packages because he's one of the best players on the team. He's one of the most explosive offensive weapons that you have. It makes no sense. I, I mean, I almost fell out my chair and listened to you know, Coach Satterfield answer those questions. I'm like, I almost wish, you know, this was Will Muschamp back and said, coordinators, you can't talk. Because he definitely didn't help himself. He hurt himself. It made zero sense. And it's saying, basically he said, hey, I'm a coordinator and I'm not smart enough to play my best players, regardless of the personnel packages. So, uh, you know, and we've heard, oh, we got to get him the ball. I mean, this, that, and the third. And, you know, I just don't trust it until I see it. But, you know, I go back to last year, Phil, and I look at when they had to a, a play quarterback that was a graduate assistant. Uh, but then they made some changes in the bowl game against North Carolina, and they were innovative. They did some mm-hmm. creative things and were explosive, and they got the ball in the hands of uh, the McDowell's and, and, you know, Jaheim Bell and, and uh, the carry was doing his thing. Beautiful. And I'm like, where did that go? Where did this thinking go? And, and so, you know, I'm a Gamecock through and through. I, I love Shane Beamer. I love the staff and what they're standing for, what they're trying to do. But at this you can't hide this. This is just something is on the coordinate. I'm sorry, it just it just is. I mean, everybody can see it. I mean, you just can't have a guy with that type of talent and 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 with nine snaps and say, oh, we just got you know caught up in the personnel group. My question then would be, my follow up would be, well, why the heck is he not involved in that? I mean, when you yeah. can't do anything offensively, you know, that's the problem I have, and it's like. You know this. This doesn't make any sense. That, that's telling me you're not game planning. You're not trying to win. If in fact your best players not getting touches, and, and he's not playing but nine plays. So I understand what you're saying. It makes you go, well, there's got to be something else because any smart coach yeah. would not allow this to happen.
1: Yeah, either they're not putting out in practice, you know, and and they're playing the guys that are practicing the hardest and doing it in practice. Or there's something else. I don't know yeah. what it could be, but I mean, they yeah, both, we don't know. I mean, you know, they—they they yeah, they both talked the company line. Just, yeah. Yeah, they said hey,
9: you know, we got to do better. You know, we got to kind of the coach speak thing, but uh, it's it's frustrating from from a fan standpoint knowing that you lose a game that you should win, and your offense is as bad as it was, and and then one of your best players getting non-play. So you know, there's going to be speculation. They know this. I mean, they know people going to ask questions. Uh, I mean, and. But the answers to me, it just hasn't been really good, to be honest with you.
1: Do you think it's time to give Luke Doty some run out? there? not saying start him or anything like that, or even just do not not insert him at a particular time. But if, if, if Rattler struggles, and especially with the offensive line, if they have trouble protecting him and he doesn't have time and he's running for his life back there, is it time to put Doty in there and change things up offensively and put a more mobile quarterback in there to use his legs?
9: I You know, I think, you know, watching his offense, and I watch every game, and I'll go back and look at some stuff. And, you know, it is a lot of times they have some plays there. I mean, so I can't put everything on Coach Satterfield. I mean, those players have to take responsibility as well. You know, when the plays are there, they got to make the play. They got to catch it You know, they got to run the right route. They got to protect. I mean, I saw a couple of times the offensive lineman just got ran over by the defensive end. And Spencer's running for his life. So, you know, one, play, one, one breakdown can cause the whole play to go dead. And so it's not just a coach. I mean, they players got to take own up and take their responsibility and play better. I will say that. But to your question, uh, you know, I think, you know, to carry on joiner, a package should be something that you insert, not just put them in there and say, hey, we're going to run a quarterback counter. You know, everybody and, and grandmother can predict. You let him throw the ball. You, you insert that package that you use against North Carolina. He can throw it. He can throw it. Yeah. I mean, so, yes, Luke Doty, the carry-on joiner, whomever, uh, I think you got to have some more wrinkles. You can't become so dormant and stagnant that you're just doing the same thing and, and you're predictable. And again, you get behind the sticks and it's third and long and the offensive line isn't really great pass protector. So, you know, you can't win games like that. I, I just – I think you got to have more. You got to have more diversity offensively, and you got to, you know, do some things differently and utilize the talent. It's not a lack of talent. You got players, mm-hmm. so why don't mm-hmm. you use them? And that's that's my whole question.
2: Sure, Corey. We had a caller last night bring up an interesting point. Thought I'd, I'd get your thoughts on Nate Atkins at tight end. He has one catch for two yards on the season, but we've seen him play considerable more time than folks like Jaheim Bell. Do you think a reason that might be is is he is more of a uh, blocking tight end as opposed to Bell is more of a receiving tight end? And so if Bell's out there, it might be more of like a quick chip block, and then he's turning and looking for the football. But if the offensive line is struggling, inserting Atkins essentially becomes a sixth offensive lineman. Could that be factoring in to why we're not seeing Jaheim Bell as much?
9: Well, you know, you make a good point. You know, what you have in these types of positions with tight ends – what we call a wide tight end. That's on the line of scrimmage. I would put Austin Stockner in that category as well, right? His hand's in the dirt. Uh, he's more of a blocking tight end, more of a guy that will run the short intermediate routes down the seam, a big body tall. Uh, Jaheim is a what we call a youth guy, move guy, right? You can line him off the ball. You know, we go 12 personnel. He's that U tight end. He is the off the ball. He's the move guy, motion guy. You can put him in the backfield like a fullback. Uh, you know, you can use him in 11 personnel as your one tight end where now, you know, you got a guy that he can flex out in the slot. He is a type of tight end that moves around all over. You know, you can flex him out wide because he has the ability and speed to run those types of routes. So you can still have two tight ends in the game, three tight ends in the game, 13 personnel, but allow Jaheim to be your move guy. We know that Stogner and those other guys are better at blocking. So you have to get creative. I mean, think about this, guys. I mean Travis Kelsey is a big body tight end, but he can play the slot. He's he plays off the ball, but he will stick his hand down as a Y sometimes. But they move him around. They they create mismatches. They create mismatches with, with safeties and tight ends. This is the type of things you do with Jaheim Bell. I mean, you get him the football. I don't like him so much in the backfield because that's easier to attack. But I will move him like a receiver, move him like a fullback, motion him out, and here's what happened, guys. It creates a defense to decide what personnel they're going to to choose, right, when he's in the game. Are they, are they going to treat him like a receiver? Are they going to treat him like a tight end? Are they going to treat him like a back? Is it 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end? Is it, is it 12? Is it 11? So that puts – pressure on the defense, which they're not taking advantage of, but but yeah, I mean, they just got to get this guy in space. The bottom line, he is a space guy. He's not a box guy, but move him around, create isolations, and get him to football.
1: All right, Clemson going up to Notre Dame. They've had two weeks to get ready, and what do you think about Clemson number four in the rankings at this point? I mean, a good place for them to be if you're a Clemson fan, a Clemson person. You're in the top four. You got to feel like if you take care of your business, over the next uh, four weeks and then the ACC championship game, you're going to be right there in the playoffs again.
9: Yeah, they, I mean, I was really shocked that they were four, uh, that uh, they were in front of Michigan and really TCU, uh, I thought have played better uh, and shown better at, at this point. I know Michigan uh, non-schedule uh, was very weak, but they did have a great win over a very good Penn State football team. Um, but if you Clemson, you say, hey, we went out, we should be in. But I will caution, though, because I was saying this today on TV, Phil, I remember TCU, I think it was, back in the day, and they were undefeated, and they end up dropping back because the committee has said every week there's a clean sheet of paper. Here's a problem that Clemson may have, even though right now it says, hey, they've got three wins over top 25 teams. Well, what's going to happen? Wake Forest, NC State plays this week. They're at the bottom half of the 25. One of them going to drop off. Wake Forest still has a couple of tough games. Syracuse probably going to lose another game or two. They're going to drop out of the top 25. So that's a, that's a, that's a concern still. They're in good shape. Mm-hmm. They only control what they can control. And this is a big one. I heard you earlier. I'm telling you, caution. This is a tough game going to Notre Dame. They've had some losses to Marshall and Stanford, bad losses. But this team, like you said, they're looking to build off of something. If they can take care of Clemson, they get that recognition back. And, and Clemson cannot afford to lose a game. So if they lose this game, they're out. They're done. They're not going to make the playoffs. So, yeah, they're, they're in a good, good space this week. As I caution people all the time, it is just the first edition you know, of the top 25. A lot of things are going to happen. And six through ten, one through ten, everybody controls their own destiny. So what you have right now is playoff football down the stretch. Every week, Alabama, is a playoff game every single week. They can't afford to lose. Tennessee needs to win this football game because now if Georgia goes on, wins through, Alabama wins through, and Georgia uh, loses to Alabama and the SEC, Tennessee may be out. I mean, so a lot of stuff is happening. I don't think you can get too comfortable where you are right right now because there's some big football games left to be played.
1: As always, Pastor Payne, Pop, we appreciate your time. Great job on the mic on Saturday. You had those Gamecock fans fired up and ready to go. Maybe <laughs> we should talk to the football team before they come out next time. But we appreciate well, you as always, so, and we'll talk to you next week.
9: Well, enjoy Myrtle Beach, man. And it's going to be nice weather. I'm going to be down in Paul's Island. But, you know, I saw you last night at the basketball <clears> game. You need a little sun, Phil. Go get some vitamin
1: D. It's good for you, bro. <laughs> man, make sure you get those well, legs. Get some tan on them legs. Yeah, yeah, get (laughs) off my legs. I wish I were staying down here, but I'm heading to Nashville. I'm heading to Nashville from here. So we will see you you next week. There you go. Thank you, Pastor. Pastor of Payne, Corey Miller, with us on Thursday night, giving us some great stuff as always, and he was terrific on that crowd, Mike, getting everybody fired up prior to that game last Saturday. Okay, after the break we'll give you the recruiting report for tonight and some comments from Jaheem Bell, who talked to the media. This week, we'll let you hear what he had to say in answering questions about why he didn't play much against Missouri and why he didn't touch the football against Missouri. I thought he handled himself well in taking those questions from the media. We'll be back after this break. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR. Of course, South Carolina is great for the hunters, Major. What do the hunters need to remember before they get out in the fields?
8: It seems like every other show we're talking about hunting safety of some sort. One thing we want hunters in this state to remember is always identify your target and what lies beyond it. Make sure before you pull that trigger that you know what you're looking at. Whether it's a turkey during turkey season or a deer during deer season, you know you're identifying features of your game. You know what's beyond that target in case you miss.
1: Learn more about the great outdoors in South Carolina with Major Billy Downer on SC Wild here on the Sports Talk Media Network.
0: It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program.
2: Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount, expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com
1: Okay, we give you the recruiting report here on Sports Talk on this Thursday night from Coastal Carolina. Recruiting report, of course, is brought to you by our good friends at Seawells. We invite you to get by tomorrow for the daily luncheon buffet one more time this week. Not sure if it's a roast beef Friday or not. And Pat, if it is, you can break in and tell us. 11 till 2, and it's that way every weekday, Monday through Friday, 11 to 2. For only $13, it's the best buffet in the world and friday's is
2: often full of roast beef that's right tomorrow it'll be carved roasted sirloin of beef along with southern fried chicken and then corn one of my new favorites big wing guy over here they've gotten incredibly expensive everywhere else but you can get teriyaki and lemon pepper wings as part of the all you can eat buffet tomorrow at seawells i
1: invite everybody not on my dime, on your own dime. To get down Sea to SeaWells tomorrow. And of course, the very best in the catering business for nearly 80 years, the folks at SeaWells can take care of all your needs. 803 771 738 is their number. Wide receiver Jordan Shipp, 6'2, a buck 92, part of that power laden Providence Day program in Charlotte. Son of former Florida receiver Steve Shipp and Clemson receivers coach Tyler Grisham, head coach Dabo Sweeney. Offensive assistant Taj Boyd, he caught up with them when he was in for the NC State game and he talked to all three and was very impressed with what he heard from them, especially Taj Boyd. And so, uh, Clemson has not offered ship yet, but they are talking to him and there is interest there. And he's gonna wait and see what happens there as he's keeping things wide open at this particular time. But he felt the Tigers showed some genuine interest in him and he felt like he got that good family feel there when he was there for the visit. So he is uh, looking at Clemson as one of his top programs right now that they haven't offered. He is coming off a visit to Michigan last weekend. He's also been to North Carolina and to NC State for games this season. Went to a game at USC last season, and the Gamecocks are among his stated offers, but he said the connection with them just hasn't been very strong. He has uh, other offers from Michigan, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, Coastal Carolina, Boston College, Missouri, NC State, Maryland, Virginia Tech, and West Virginia. Also hearing from Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Duke. This season, Ship has 46 catches for 847 yards, 10 touchdowns, and for his career, he has 92 catches, 1,518 yards, and 18 touchdowns, according to Max Preps. USC continues to look over the countryside for offensive linemen, and this week they offer 2023 offensive tackle Keyshawn Blackstock, 65315 of Coffeeville Junior College in Kansas. He's a native of Covington, Georgia. His performance this season has led to a rise in his recruiting profile to the point where he has major Power 5 offers from coast to coast. Some of those offers include Tennessee, Florida State, Oregon, Illinois, Washington State, Penn State, Auburn, NC State, Florida, Michigan State, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Louisville. He's taken an official visit to Illinois, and he plans to take one to Penn State. He's undecided on the other three. He is a December graduate. One time, Clemson and USC target offensive lineman DJ Chester of McDonough, Georgia, committed to LSU today. 2023 corner, Damari Brown of Fort Lauderdale. He named a Final Four, Clemson, Alabama, Miami, and Florida State. He took an official to Clemson in the summer, but the Tigers Appear to be filled up at his position. His father played at Miami and the Hurricanes appear to be the favorite right now. USC commitment offensive tackle Isaiah Jada was offered by BYU. According to the Mississippi State 24-7 sports site, USC commitment Cameron Sandlin, quarterback athlete, he is scheduled for an official visit to Mississippi State this weekend. USC target cornerback Tyler Scott was offered by Texas and Arkansas. Basketball, 5-7. Malaysia Full Willie of Keenan plans to announce and sign November 10th. That would be a week from today. That's the second day of the early signing period. This according to Lou Bajak of the state. USC, Florida, Louisville, and Ole Miss are the finalists. She took officials to all four with USC getting their visit last weekend. Last season, Full Willie averaged 30 points. Nine rebounds and seven assists per game. She has scored over 2,000 points in her career, or 1,966 more points than I scored in my career. She's having quite the career, and I did not. That is recruiting brought to you by SeaWells. Remember, it's a roast beef Friday RBF tomorrow at SeaWells. You do not want to miss it. You'll only be mad at yourself if you don't get out there. We'll be back. No Will Merritt tonight. He's out under the weather. But we do have the thrill, Carl Hill, coming up. I tell you what, Brooks Stadium is absolutely packed. What a scene. I'm having to watch it on the TV feed right now, but what a scene across the way. I don't know if we had an earthquake or what, but the press box over here on the baseball side started shaking a little while ago. I guess that's when Coastal Carolina ran out and the fans were cheering them on. It's a blackout night for the fans at Coastal Carolina. They they asked everybody to uh, to wear black, so... Probably set a very good uh, very good scene inside the stadium, very good mood there as well. We'll see how their mood is in a two or three hours after playing this, uh, this good Appalachian State team. Big, big game for Coastal Carolina as they get it underway over at Brooks Stadium. Be heading over there after uh, the show when we are uh, finished up with things here. In the meantime, we do not have uh, Will Merritt tonight. Will texted me a little while ago. has got something going on. Not able to join us. But we do have Carl the Thrill Hill, to do double duty tonight, covering both sides of the spectrum. Good evening, Carl. How are you?
4: Doing great, Phil. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing great. Appreciate you jumping in. Well, we've had a lot of Gamecock talk tonight with Corey being on a little while ago, so we'll get your take on what you saw last Saturday. I got to believe that it was very disappointing for you considering how you you felt like four-game winning streak, this team was getting better. It was improving in a lot of areas, but they showed none of that last Saturday.
4: Yeah, you're right. Disappointing is the, the, the word that everybody's using. Uh, another word I'll throw in there is it was a, a, a very damaging loss. Uh, I use the word damaging because it made uh, Shane Beamer have to start recruiting his own football players over again. If that loss made you have to recruit your own football players, imagine kind of what he had to do to guys who are not on scholarship with my university yet. So that was a really big disappointing loss, and the explanations for the loss is just, it's just not acceptable. It's, it's its its like the old movie, what we have here is a failure to communicate because <laughs> cause <laughs> what they're saying and what they're doing, it, it, they, they, it, it's not the same. We're doing the same old thing and expecting a different result, and it just don't. It, it doesn't work. Players can play a little bit better, but you keep hearing Shane say we're trying to put these guys in the best position possible to win. And when you put your offensive tackles on an island because you do not run the ball to the outside at all, guys are just running straight up field and spinning inside and making these guys look bad then you mm-hmm. have linemen that god he didn't touch him at all you gotta you got linemen blocking down and letting somebody go free that that's not so much the player's fault it's, it's somebody ain't telling them what to do right from the offensive line's point of view and it just it just it's discombobulated. It just, it's just, there's no togetherness. There's no understanding of what's going on. And and, and golly boy, Missouri was in cover two with two deep safeties all night long. If you have one, one more brain cell than an amoeba, you know the middle of the field is open. It's always open in cover two. There's no way you can defend the middle of the field in cover two and you put your receivers and have them run outside routes. Nobody ever attacks the middle of the field and we complain why the receivers can't get open. They're not running routes to get open. It just, it was disappointing. I did win some money off of it, but you know. No. It went all baby.
1: <laughs> well, now my question is, if you know this and others like you know this, I mean, why don't they know this? And here's the other thing. I know you have inside contacts. Maybe you'll share, maybe you won't. I don't know. But, I mean, how is there something beyond what we're seeing with Jaheim Bell that they would just totally forget about him and not not use him at all in that ball game and not give him any touches? Like maybe he's not getting it done in practice and – they can't put him out there if he's not practicing well. I mean, how do you? How does that
4: happen? I don't think they're gonna lie to us because going in the last week, I heard the I heard we we need to give him the ball fifteen twenty times, and he he didn't touch the ball at all. Now you come out and say we're gonna give him the ball. If you're gonna give, if you're making excuses why he don't have the ball. That don't make that didn't make any sense at all from your head coach down to your offensive coordinator. So it it ain't him. If 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 he was doing something, no one's gonna promise to give him more. It's just it, 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 it's 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 almost like an army game. And I give you a perfect example. Uh, there was a sharpshooter from the offensive coordinator at Missouri. Because what he did was, hey, we haven't done this all year, but here's what I'm going to do: every route's going to be a three-step route. These guys, they come out the guys, and we don't need to disrupt our quarterback. Every route's going to be a three-step route, and when we have to do a four-step route, we're going to get it on some eye candy they've never seen it. We're going to confuse them. We're going to get some guys open, and that's what they did. We couldn't get close to them because they were not letting that guy hold the ball who had so many interceptions and so many. But he, they coaching staff decided we're not going to let this, we're not going to let de- de- this defense dictate what they've been dictating the last few weeks. On the other hand, our offense that's a sharpshooter. We we was growing, we was throwing grenades and hoping we get something close. Oh. That's that's just who we are. You can't you can't defend, you can't defend what's going on. From the offensive side of our football game, our team. There is no defense for just some of the things that are happening right now.
1: Uh, By the way, Coastal Carolina, their first possession. They go three plays, 60-some-odd yards. Big run by Jared Brown on the pitch from McCall. He scores. Coastal Carolina up 7 nothing. I forgot that Chase, uh, Chase Bryce, the former Clemson quarterback, is still at Appalachian State. He's got to be pushing 30. <laughs> I forgot he's still the, uh, the quarterback there at Appalachian State. Yeah, I'm over here at Coastal about to go over and watch this football game. A great start for Coastal Carolina. And that's the thing. I mean, we hear this all the time. Offensive identity, offensive identity. Take Coastal, for example. You know exactly with Jamie Chadwell and their personnel what they are going to do You might not know their plays, but, I mean, you know basically what their offensive identity is. And, again, we go back to South Carolina, and it's like you you really don't know what these guys like to do, what they can do successfully on a regular
4: basis. Well, you do know kind of what they can do because every time we've run – and you can go back to last year against Florida, Auburn, and uh, North Carolina in the bowl game. We ran a zone read where the quarterback kept the ball, so we were able to have some inside running games. We run the ball inside right now, and we do not. At, the quarterback never takes the football to run around the end. That's the the the, the, the zone read play I'm talking about, because everybody's stacking the box on you. And the quarterbacks there, so there's no there's no hope to have a running game, especially when you decide to put a five eight 175 pound running back in there and tell him go run in a tight spot already. It, yeah, it's just kind of difficult, man. And we, and, well, and, we and, and with the, go ahead. No, I was going to say
1: Rattler is not a running quarterback. He's never been really a running quarterback, and the question for you is. Do you think in a situation like they faced last week where it's not going well offensively, where he's under duress a lot, they had 11 tackles for loss, he was sacked four times. I mean, when Uyanglale couldn't get it going for Clemson against Syracuse, they made a quarterback change. Not forever, but for the second half, really the midway third quarter, so really the last quarter and a half. And it worked out for him. I mean, should they not? Uh, put uh, Luke Doty in there because he can run. He can at least, if a play breaks down, he can get away with his legs. And when the defense drops back and the middle of the field is open, he can take off and get you fifteen or twenty yards that way.
4: And I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's. Gonna, I don't think it'll help at all because if you're doing the same plays that you're calling for Spencer. Spencer have ran the football a couple of times on a, on, a, on a zone read. So we do have that play. And he don't have to be a runner. You can pull the ball and pick up four yards, five yards. That's a, And then that's all you're looking for to pick up. But what that does, more importantly, you don't have everybody stacking the box on you. Now they have to be concerned about the outside. So you have a more of a chance to have an inside running game. But well, you can't have an inside running game when everybody knows you have an inside running game, and you're not running the ball to the outside. So you can't put you put the players in a position that they can't succeed.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So okay. With, what are you okay, expecting this, against? So
4: I think, I think, wait a minute, Bill, I do think as 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 well as Jonah did in the bowl game, and taking the kid to media day. You will hope you would get a whole lot more from him than a quarterback draw almost run, and that's the only mm-hmm. time he's been behind the center. I think I think that's I think he's done too much to get used as little as he's getting right now.
1: It'll be intriguing to see what they do at Vanderbilt offensively. I I told Corey though I, I will bet you one thing: Jaheim Bell will touch the ball so much his tongue will be dragging. By the fourth quarter, right? Because, I mean, they don't want to hear this crap anymore about Jaheim Bell, Jaheim Bell, Jaheim Bell, like he's the, well, you know, like he's the second coming of George Rogers. I mean, he's a good player and maybe a, a major difference maker. I got a feeling they're going to make sure he touches the ball one way or another against Vanderbilt.
4: I, I don't think he'll have twenty touches. You don't need. He'll have probably, if I had to take a guess, anywhere from eight to twelve. Uh, you can't run your offense through that type of a player, if you're, especially if you're not stretching the field down the middle of the field. Now, if they're going to throw routes down the middle of the field, that's where you can use him and get get your money's worth. But you got to use the middle of the field to hit your tight ends, that's, that's, especially when your team's in cover, too. It just, it's just mm-hmm. almost a no-brainer.
1: Okay. Well, there's no will to counter anything from you. So I'll ask you, after what Clemson did two weeks ago, they were off last week. But what you saw from the Gamecocks now? Where is the rivalry meter this week in your mind?
4: Man, I, all my Tiger friends, I had them peeping around the old barn, looking into the cockpit. And they was all over there. Just did all of a sudden after last week, one of them yelled out, "Hey, there ain't nothing to see over here. That's all go back now." So, so they all left. They, they, are not even peek behind the barn anymore. I don't know, Phil, with, with shane 's got to do something to get this offense together even if he has to be more assertive on what what's being called when it's being called uh meddling so to speak is what I think he ought to do something's got to be done we got to win two of these last four ball games so the next two are the ones we need to get and Vanderbilt's going to be tough they 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 had they had old miss on the at, behind at halftime. Mm -hmm. They stopped the best running game in the SEC or in the country from running the football in the first half. They stopped Missouri from running the football and were very aggressive. They've had a week off. This is going to be a fight this weekend. But with all that being said, I'm going to knock it down to about a three and a half. So I'm at (laughs) 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 3.5.
1: All right, 3.5. We'll see where it reads next week. Thank you, my friend. Great job. As always, we'll talk to you next week.
4: Y'all have a good
1: one now. Go call. Thank you. All right, Carl, the Thrill Hill with no Will Merritt tonight. Will is out. Family uh, stuff going on. And so he'll be back with us next week to talk about Clemson. And, okay, it was an off week for the Tigers. It's an off week for Will. He'll be back with us next week, and so will Carl. And we appreciate Carl being with us. Um, Coastal Canada gets another stop on defense. They have the football leading 7-0 in the opening quarter okay we'll go to a break here on sports talk want to get you some of those jaheem bell comments as well we'll get to that when we come back from this break as we come to you from coastal carolina tonight shauna clear is leading appalachian state early in this one it's seven nothing but they look good early two stops on defense and then a big run on their first offensive uh possession to get them up seven nothing and by the way i made a mistake obviously Harrisonburg this was earlier talking about the schedule when they play James Madison they'll be going to Harrisonburg Virginia not Harrisburg I think that's up in Pennsylvania want to get that right we'll be back after the break
2: Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me. Alex Satterfield at 803-749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs.
0: Score a touchdown with Founders Federal Credit Union. With services like Founders Online and the Founders app, you'll enjoy all the perks of a big bank with local personalized service. Not a member? Joining Founders Federal Credit Union is easy. Visit relaxjoinfounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA.
1: the most talked-about member of the USC football team this week was a guy that didn't catch a pass, didn't run the ball, didn't score a touchdown, didn't kick a field goal, didn't make a tackle, only played nine snaps, never touched the football. People wondering why Jaheim Bell wasn't used more. He went before the media. Kudos to USC for making him available. Kudos to him for standing up and taking questions. Here you go.
6: When you're talking with the coaches, have they told you anything about saying, you got to do this to get on the field more? How do those conversations go when uh, they say, here's what we want to do to get you on the field?
3: Uh, I mean, those conversations through the week are uh, uh, just pretty much just telling me, uh, just do everything right on the field. And that's what I do. I, I do whatever they ask me to do. You know, and that's pretty much it. I just uh, prepare like a pro during the week.
1: Right here. Uh, Jaheim. After the, your performance in the, uh, in the bowl win, um, how did you envision this season would go for you? What were your expectations uh, coming off that performance and with also the attention you were getting during the offseason?
3: Uh, I feel like after that bowl game, um, just going into the summer, um, recovering and all that, uh, I feel like I was going to take off this year. Hey, Jim. Um, You know, I'm pretty sure you know this. I think you only had nine snaps on Saturday against Mizzou going into the game. Did you expect to get that low of a snap count? And then also
5: going into this week, you know, what is your mindset like? Are you, you know, yeah, just kind of talk to us
3: about that. Uh, no, I wasn't expected to only have nine stops. I was expected to uh, play, have a big game um, and that didn't happen. So, uh. On to the next week, so uh, we just preparing for Vanderbilt this week, and um, I'm just prepare like a pro, like I said before, and just try to uh, get ready to have a big week.
5: Jim, just kind of sticking with it. how frustrating has that been to kind of have some inconsistency with snaps and a playing time, and, and how do you balance that frustration throughout the week and throughout the season?
3: Uh, it's very frustrating. Um, going through the week knowing that you're gonna get the ball, and um, and it doesn't happen. Um, it, it's kind of frustrating, but uh, I kind of try to let that go after. Uh, after that Sunday and Monday, and try to come in the building today on Tuesday and just be positive and prepare like a pro.
5: Jaheim, kind of to that, when you look toward maybe the last four weeks of the season, I guess, what do you kind of want to see out of yourself? Is there something that you you want to do over these next four weeks? Or is there anything you want to change or adjust or anything like that? Or or what do you feel like maybe success looks like over these last four weeks for you?
3: Uh, Success for me is just uh, finish the season um, healthy and just being the best uh, player I can be for this team
0: you have the coaches talked to you at all about a reason why they're rotating you off so much? Like, is that just personnel packages? Like, what, why are they keeping you off the field so much? Have they told you that?
3: Um, some of it be a personnel issue, but I feel like I can be that, um, I can be any person and, uh, and be a dynamic player, any personnel, but uh, it, it's not really a conversation of why I'm not out there. It just, just happened. But most of it, just a personnel issue.
2: Uh, we've heard a lot from your teammates about mental reps when you're not in the game. What goes into a mental rep for you maybe when you're not out there as much as you want and how do you kind of stay sharp for when, you're, when your number does get called, if it does?
3: Uh, mental rep is big on the, on the sideline. Um, just knowing what that defense going to do when you go out there. So uh, just preparing throughout the game. Like I said, preparing like a pro, so that that includes still preparing through the game. So uh, just seeing what that defense is going to do while you're on the sideline
6: the Vanderbilt game last year and caught the big pass down the seam for a touchdown. What do you remember about that game, the first half, and then the second half when you guys got down and Seb comes in to lead the game winning drive?
3: Uh, we started that game off pretty good. Um, that touchdown was uh, very electric to the crowd. Um, that got the crowd off their feet. And um, Going into that second half, it was, it was kind of rough for us, but we battled back like we always do. Um, we're a second half team. like uh, You don't heard that a lot. and um, That's what we did. We uh, came back and uh, Zell got the game, uh got the job done for us.
7: Gene Coach Satterfield said that a lot of times he's kind of challenged you to be better when you're not getting the ball and blocking and some of the other routes. Where do you feel like your game's grown the most over the last couple of weeks and how do you kind of play uh, that?
3: I think throughout the season, um, I think I done got better in my blocking game. Um, I, done, I done put a couple people on their back that uh, people didn't expect I would do and, um I feel like I done got better in the blocking game.
5: Jim, I guess when you look at the offense as a whole, not to overreact to one game, but like when you look at maybe last week, Till the rest of the season, I guess, what do you guys kind of have to do as a unit to, to maybe be a little more consistent or maybe get a little more explosive or anything like that over these last couple of games?
3: Uh, we just got to uh, lock in, just focus on um, we, we just don't need to look uh, too far ahead. Just, just lock in on that on that, uh certain week, um, like this week, just lock in on Vanderbilt, uh, get the keys to the game and um, go go execute them.
7: Jim, just from a team perspective, how do you guys offensively not allow frustration to creep in? How how easy is that to do and, and how do you guys stay positive as you go into these final four?
3: Uh just stay together. Um, don't let uh people get in um in groups or packs or whatever, and um just just uh talk negative, uh just all stay in one group and be positive about it and just try to move on from it.
1: All right, comments of Jaheem Bell. Yeah, he mentioned last year's game against Vandy. South Carolina won that game in Columbia by a point, 21-20, scoring the winning points with 37 seconds to go on a nine-yard pass from Zeb Nolan to Xavier Leggett. Uh, in that game, Bell had six catches for 136 yards. So he was a big presence in that ballgame. Will he be and will he make a big difference For the Gamecocks, if he is a big presence. That was a game that Luke Doty started, 17 of 27, 242. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. And I think he got hurt. And Zeb Nolan came in, 5 of 8 for 75 yards and a touchdown. So, South Carolina had better be prepared for Vanderbilt. They better bring their own focus and their own energy. It won't be a a big crowd, I wouldn't think, on the Vanderbilt side. there will be a nice, nice following of Gamecock fans there, I'm sure. But you've got to, to bring your energy and bring your effort and take it up the notches. And so we'll see what happens there. Meantime, here in Conway, over at the football stadium, because I'm over here at the baseball stadium, uh, it's still seven-nothing Coastal Carolina leading Appalachian State. Appalachian State's on a nice drive right now of seventy-seven yards in six plays. And the camera guy is doing a terrible job for ESPN with these tight shots. They are inside the five yard line on this particular drive. So they are on the verge of tying this thing up. I think they just did. Looks like a guy just got in the end zone for Appalachian State. He did. So it looks like we're going to have a tie ball game here in the first quarter. Um, this is interesting, too. College football compliance personnel across the country are scrambling for clarification from the NCAA over a ruling that appears to all but shut down the transfer portal at the conclusion of this semester. This went out uh, schools this week, so follow up on that and see what happens with that, and we'll talk more about that when we have time. Meantime, thank you to Pat Daniel. Have a great trip to South Bend. Thank you, stake man Graham Pope, back in our lives, back in the studio. Thanks for being with us, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night from over in Nashville. Have a great night. <laughs>